trailing three. Good protect. Pass the right cross. Oh, touchdown. Tampa Bay. Oh, Jay Howard. Fire them cannons. What a play. We are Bucks Nation, SB Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at BucksNation.com. Episode 6, Season 3 of the Bucks Nation Podcast kicks off now. Welcome in, everybody, to the Bucks Nation podcast, our special 2021 NFL draft coverage. This is day two of our special on the clock series. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. You can find me at JC Bucks Nation. Joining me is Bucks Nation's own Chris Schoenherr. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good, Jason. Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. This is day two. Day one is in the books. We completed uh, the first round. We gave all of our Buccaneers prospects. And now we are going into day two. I tell you what, day two has me more excited than day one. I love these guys. And I I can't wait to share this with our listeners. Uh, Just to revisit, in case you didn't check out the first episode, go back, go check out episode five. We have three shows lined up for you this week. This is show number two. We got another one coming out by tomorrow. And we will have that third round coverage. Uh, Who will the Bucks pick at 95 Coming out tomorrow. So today we are talking about number 64, 64, round two. I, I don't know about you, man. Are you ready to kick this off? Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm going to start this one off with a fun one. So I'm going to start off the second round with the Bucks trading up. And the reason for that is the Bucks don't need seven players. They don't need to grab a bunch of guys in the draft this year. So they can trade up, go higher up in the second round and snag some guys. It'll be better for the future. And I'm starting off with Joseph Osai, the edge from Texas. And this guy is six foot four, 250 pounds. He's long, he's lean, and he is mean. And the trade value that I have right now, I'm trading up with the bears in this scenario to 52 And that would cost about a fourth and fifth round pick, which, you know, sure, Jordan White has a fourth rounder, but, you know, not too crazy there. And, you know, the reason I'm going up for Osai is because it looks like he he is going to go somewhere in the early to the middle of the second round. And if the Bucs are able to snag him, that would be a great pick. He's he's interesting because in 2019, he was actually playing off ball linebacker and then going into 2020 was his first year at edge. So he does have. Very limited experience in that role, but he did finish the season in nine games with 15 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. He has sort of an issue with the experience level. He's he's more of a one move kind of guy. He tries to speed off the edge. He can get locked in on blocks, but he is an absolute relentless, relentless player. This guy, I've seen him chase down 50 yards downfield, chase down a runner when somebody breaks the line. And that motor is absolutely fantastic for anybody. And he is incredibly physical. Could use some work on the moves there. But have you uh, checked out any bit of uh, Osai there, Jason? I I did, actually. I I did did my own little homework on him. But I I wanted to talk about the lineup here because uh, you were just talking about the Chicago Bears at pick 52. And you you purposely wanted to beat the Titans to the punch because you think the Titans are definitely going to be looking for an edge player. 
So that yes. was what keyed you in on that, right? You wanted to kind of beat them to that. Yes. So I think that they'll need to jump the Titans, the Colts, and the Steelers. And the Colts and Steelers have big needs at edge, and they're actually picking after the Titans. The Titans, they picked up Bud Dupree this offseason, but they need depth. They had one of the worst pass rushes last year. I believe they had the third least sacks in the NFL. So they're going to need some guys there that are going to rush the passer. CBS currently has him projected at... 54 going to the Colts today. This is today. That is where CBS has him being picked up in their seven round mock draft. So uh, apparently the Titans aren't going to take him according to CBS. I'm not sure where other mocks have him. I haven't studied every single one of them, but that is a really interesting trade up, especially for a team that can look and wait and see, is this the only round you think that they're going to be trading up in? Hey, shoot, I can see him trading up in the first. I mean, Jason Light's been talking about how he wants to grab the players that he wants more than he needs. So if, if he's really okay. looking for a guy and he likes Osai, I think he'd want to jump for him. And he's mocked anywhere late first, early second to the late second. So he's right in that range. And, you know, middle of the second round is, isn't going to be something that's unheard of for him. Joseph Asai became uh, pretty big uh, in 2020. He really lit up for himself. He became the team captain. This was an interesting find that I found was that, have you heard of, and I have not heard of this, right? Is the Jack linebacker. So the Jack linebacker, for those of you that are listening that are not aware, the Jack linebacker is typically a pass rush specialist, but still expected to defend against the pass in zone. And man, they're basically a defensive end and linebacker hybrid so it's typically for larger linebackers and uh smaller defensive ends so kind of like right in the middle so it's kind of like a uh you know jason pierre paul or something like that i mean that this guy he could definitely fit i think that definitely fits this defense and and, and Bowles probably is looking at this guy and drooling uh oh, what's yeah. some other stats that i was able to pull he was tied for third in the fbs with 16 tackles for loss uh, he led Texas with five and a half sacks in only nine starts. That's not bad. This guy could be very interesting if he's uh, he's a solid pick. And I think he will go early in the second round. So I think the Bucks would definitely have to trade up for that. And I really like that. And since he has that off-ball experience, he would definitely be a guy that can defend the pass. And, and he has a couple of interceptions in his career um, playing that off-ball spot. And you know how Todd Bowles loves to drop his ends. And Shaq Barrett and Anthony Nelson weren't quite there yet with the uh, with the okay. uh, pass coverage, and uh, this guy would definitely be something. How are his do. hands? How are his hands? Well, you know, I saw him pick uh, pick off Joe Burrow um, in 2019 off of a deflection. Pretty quick reaction there. Uh, his hands are a little bit better than uh, you know some other guys. I know Jason Pierre-Paul's hand and a half um, was still able to pick up some <laughs> interceptions, uh, and Osai definitely has the ability to do that. You're listening to the special NFL draft coverage on Bucks Nation. We're talking about the Buccaneers second round draft pick, pick number 64. We just talked about Joseph Asai. The next guy we're going to be talking about is an offensive lineman out of a Division Three school. He's our first Division Three pickup prospect that we're talking about here, Quinn Miners. And if you guys have not heard of his name or seen his tape, you guys need to go out Google Quinn Miners, I spell his last name M E I N E R Z. 
Quinn Miners, offensive lineman. He is a guard out of Wisconsin Whitewater, Division Three school. This dude is a beast. Six foot three, 320 pounds. Uh, I watched an interview that he was on with GMFB. And he was talking about his, his bench press. So he did his bench press on his pro day, 33 reps. Wow. That's impressive. Wow. 33 reps. And he even said he busted his hand. And he said, if I didn't bust my hand, I know I could do more. Like, dude, this dude's this dude's going to be a baller. And this, this guy is strength. He's speed. And when I was watching his tape, holy shit. That's what I'm going to say. Holy shit. That's all I'm going to say. Lance Zerline from uh, NFL.com has him equivalent to a Ryan Jensen, which is pretty nice to be able to make him equivalent to a Buccaneer offensive lineman. Bailey Adams did a really nice write-up on him. Definitely says that he could be a perfect fit for the Buccaneers. He's projected to be a center in the pros, but I'll, I'll be honest, keep him at guard. Keep him at guard. The way that I was seeing him pull, he is an absolutely amazing pulling guard, either on the inside to the opposite side or on the outside and, and, and being the lead blocker, uh, you know, for the plays that roll onto the outside. I mean, th this dude was laying guys out you saw some film on him what'd you think oh my goodness you know i i watched that tape that you uh recommended me to go look at and and it starts off with him absolutely just pulverizing a guy i mean he absolutely blew him up and the entire the entire tape was just him running a bunch of these guys over he is he's a he's an absolute monster i mean he's still blocking 20 30 yards down the field it's that effort we want to see Yes. Yeah. I mean, 320 pounds and he's still running down the field and giving 110% is just absolutely amazing. He's a great pulling guard, great downfield blocking. He's trucking dudes, fantastic seal blocker on some of the traps. He has no problem blocking out a linebacker either. So he was able to do that fairly successfully. Okay. You guys are looking at me and you're like, dude, it's D3. Are you serious? Yeah. But dude, this dude is at that next level. The thing about it is Ali Marpet, let, let's break this down if you guys don't know. Ali Marpet, a Division Three, he's actually the highest rated, he was the highest draft pick Division Three prospect in the NFL at 64, if I'm not mistaken. Alex Kappa, Division Two, and both these guys are now Super Bowl champions. So let's not put too much discredit on the D3 school you got guys like Ali Marpet that are uh, all pro linemen. That's that's a story for another day because he should have been in in the in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but that's story for another day. But anyway, Ali Marpet he likes him. He I really, mean, how could he not? He really likes Quinn Miners so much so that he actually texted him right after the Super Bowl, after the Senior Bowl, actually, and he texted Quinn and said. Hey, listen, saw you at the Senior Bowl. Just wanted to let you know I want to be a resource. Hit me up if you need anything. You got that connection right there with the Buccaneers. Ali Marpet wants to be a resource for him heading into the NFL. And hey, Quinn, Quinn Miner said on GMFB, he's like, I'm ready for, I'm, I'm up for a little competition. So Ali uh, was uh, 64. Yeah, I could be 61 or higher. So let's see, <laughs> right? Uh, actually, no, sorry. Ali Marpet was 61, not 64. He was 61. Sorry, I had that note wrong. He was 61. So obviously, Miners is looking to uh, beat him 
in D3 draft status. So we will see uh, come April 29th or 30th, depending on which uh, which day that Quinn Miners goes in the draft. But this guy was absolutely trucking dudes down the field. I really like him. He's a perfect fit. Yeah, absolutely. And and Jason Light loves those those small school guys because I think that he looks at it as like a bunch of other teams aren't aren't going to be looking at these guys. So I'm going to go and, and do a little more study on them and and have an edge up on my competition, which is every other team in the NFL. And I think that, you know, he's he's one of those guys that's coming out of those small schools and and has shown that he has exactly what it takes. And, you know, Jason, going into the draft, I was also looking at some interior offensive linemen and I'm looking at Landon Dickerson who was the center at Alabama in 2019 to 2020 and here's another guy he is six foot six 330 pounds the guy is a gigantic human he is one of the biggest guys and he actually came down and won the Remington trophy which is the nation's top center in 2020 He's a big, violent mauler at the center position. He does have experience at every position on the offensive line, maybe doesn't have all the snaps that you'd like to see at that tackle or guard, but he has the most at center. And the one thing that I think is holding him back the most is just his injury history. And he has two ACL tears, one in each knee, some ankle injuries. If, if not for those, a lot of people are saying that he would be a first round pick. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not as athletic as, as minors like we just saw, but he can get to that second level and wall off linebackers. And, and what he does in pass protection is what I'm looking at the most. He is always keeping his head on a swivel. He is looking to blow guys up at any time, just like, you know, going back with minors uh, comparison there, Ryan Jensen, another guy that is always looking to beat someone up and that physicality is exactly what we want to see on the Bucks offensive line protecting Tom Brady for this upcoming season and even next year and this guy could even play that swing tackle I know the Bucks like to do those three tight end sets bring in a big tackle like like Joe Haig did last year but I think Landon Dickerson would be a better swing tackle than Joe Haig and I don't know if you've had a chance to look at him Jason but but what do you think I'm not as pressed as Quinn Miners wow not as impressed now the plays that I did see, what I liked about it was he's got really meaty hands and he's able to put one guy on each hand and he was able to handle the double team really, really well. And I thought that was amazing. He is a good seal blocker. Uh, but the moment you tried to get him to do something else, like roll his hips outside or uh, or actually pull or do anything like that, I didn't see any pulling plays, to be honest with you. And I didn't see anything downfield. And I think that stood out to me a little bit because I saw it after watching the Quint, Quinn Miners tape. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't see this guy rolling down the field being a lead blocker. That was my only takeaway from that. I think if both of them are available at 64, uh, Quinn Miners gets selected over Landon Dickerson. You might have spoiled yourself there by watching Miners. I know, his, man. Uh, hey. His- they got to take the best. Yeah, they do got to take the best. And, and you know, I think, you know, looking at looking at uh, at uh, Dickerson, he did play at Alabama, you know, a little bit higher tier competition. I agree. 
And talking about that pulling, Alabama does like to pull their centers a bit. You know, sometimes they'll snap it right back to the quarterback and pull three guys out. I've seen him run. He's looking like he's running in cement, though. He is not the most athletic guy. Um, and and that might be something that the Bucks might not want as much. You know, so Miners might be the better pick there. All right, Bucks Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. But when we return, we've got a few players, a couple of uh, sneaky things coming up. And, and it depends on where these guys fall at. It would be a very interesting play for the Buccaneers. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Bucks Nation. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. I'm joined by my co-host. Say hi, Chris. What's up? We are talking about <laughs> pick 64, second round of the NFL draft. And the Buccaneers uh, could have a lot of options. They have a lot of options, Chris. And I I think we've already talked about trading up, which would be a fun one to see. Jason Light could pull some could pull some shit out of his ass. I mean, last minute, you never know what could happen. I mean, he he is in a very good position where he may want to get the guys that he wants, not needs. And uh, he may sit back and wait to see what comes to him. Or he could be pushing up to get the guy that he really wants. And uh, we talked about them bumping up to get Joseph Osai uh, from Texas. We've talked about uh, a potential pick at 64 with offensive lineman Quinn Miners, Division three school, trying to beat out Ali Marpet as the highest D3 draftee uh, coming into the NFL. And you also mentioned another offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, uh, a center and guard from Alabama, obviously dealing with uh, a much higher caliber there. I was not as impressed. However, you really like this guy. He is just uh, absolutely dominating on the front line and can easily block out dudes and, uh, and, and obviously protect the quarterback very well. Well, let's go ahead and continue and talking about the quarterback. This is a topic that I think has been coming up quite a bit because it depends on who's going to trade up for that fourth quarterback that fifth quarterback right Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like Trey Lance and here's a quarterback that kind of competes in that same realm and this is a 2020 Heisman finalist quarterback out of Florida Kyle Trask Kyle Trask quarterback this guy I'm telling you he is he makes wide receivers all-stars he makes wide receivers all-stars let me give you some some uh, stats here. He helped get four receivers drafted in 2019. He was throwing two. In 2020, three more looking to get drafted, including top five prospect Kyle Pitts. So with that said, you can't ignore that. Now, maybe he doesn't have all that athleticism that everyone likes to talk about. And of course, everybody likes to compare the quarterback to uh, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or someone along those lines. Well, sit your ass down because you didn't win the, the Super Bowl last year. Tom Brady did, and he ain't athletic at all. That dude sits <laughs> in the pocket, and as long as you got a good offensive line, then you are money. And if you've got a nice young quarterback like Kyle Trask sitting back there learning from the best that's ever done it, this guy has a bright future ahead of him. I'm not sure how many teams can let this kid slip. That's my point on this guy. He can learn really well behind Brady. He has experience, a lot of experience, 
Now, for one reason or another, he sat behind four quarterbacks at Florida. He sat behind four quarterbacks, sat behind uh, Franks for a little while. And then Franks got hurt. He stepped in and just freaking shined. And obviously, it eventually pushed Franks out of Florida. And I'm a Florida fan, too. So I am a little biased here. I really like how Kyle Trask has handled the game. And uh, they really did know how to, to manage him. But Kyle Trask, would you put him as a top five quarterback in this draft? I don't know. It depends depends on who you ask. I mean, you obviously got the top four. You got Lawrence and the, the kid out of BYU. You can't think of his name right now. And then you got Mac Jones, who a lot of people think could go to the Niners for whatever reason at three um, over Justin Fields, who's another one. And then you got Trey Lance. And and uh, for whatever reason, you know, Schrager was talking about Davis Mills. I could rip on that guy all day. I think Trask is better than than Mills and, and should be ahead of him. I mean, look at that statistical production. You want to tell me more about his stats this year? So what has he got? Uh, 2020, he had 4,283 yards, 43 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. 43 tutters. That is big. Tutties. Tutties, man. Tutties. <laughs> if he goes into the second, he's going pretty early. I think he's it depends. definitely pretty early. Depends on who you ask. I mean, some people have him at the end of the first. Some people have him somewhere in the second. And I've even seen him slide all the way down to the third. And wow. I think it really just depends on how much teams are going to value him. All right. All right. I could see that. So you got the Jets. Um, the Jets picking at 34. The Falcons at 35. I mean, if if the Falcons or the Jets pick up someone like Kyle Pitts, that second round pick looks really, really appetizing for a new uh, quarterback, especially on those two teams, because you got to find Matt Ryan's successor. You got to find Matt Ryan's successor. I think that was definitely a gimme. You know, Miami has theirs. They got Tua. I'm not sure if the Eagles are are set on their guy or not. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I don't know. Kyle Trask, if they fall down to 64, I think that is an absolute steal. Mel Kuyper of ESPN draft analyst. He loves his growth. He has highlighted him and loves the way that he has uh, come up in college and he is NFL ready and he can easily sit behind Tom Brady nice and patiently and come out to play uh, within two years. I, I think this guy could do it. And here's another thing. We haven't had a quarterback on this team that's under 30. So having a nice young guy like Kyle Trask, this is going to be uh, favorable, obviously, for two plus years, uh, you know, later as Jason Light starts putting together the, the team of the future. Yeah, and that's what you want. You want youth. You want youth on your team. And as much as people love, you know, or as much as Jason Light loves Blaine Gabbard and Bruce Arian loves Blaine Gabbard, I mean, he's he's not getting any younger. He's not as... I mean, I don't think he's as good as, as Bruce Arians has alluded to in the past, and he's not even on this team right now. He hasn't been re-signed. So I think bringing in, a, bringing in a youthful quarterback, somebody to learn behind Brady, even if he isn't the future, he's definitely somebody that you could pick up in the second round, You know, put all the chips on the table and say, I'm going to give this guy a few years to develop and then you know, maybe throw him to the Lions and see how he does. And if not, you know, they, they can always pick up somebody later on. You're listening to Bucks Nation. Our special 2021 NFL draft coverage begins this week. We are in round two, pick 64 of the NFL draft. Who are the Bucks going to be picking at pick 64? A lot of interesting picks. So far, we've talked about Joseph Osai, um, an edge rusher from Texas. Quinn Miners, offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater. Division three, could he beat out Ali Marpet as the highest D three 
draft prospect coming into the NFL. And Chris, you brought up Landon Dickerson. You like him. You're super high on him. You think he is a great offensive lineman prospect. Uh, Kyle Trask, I think, is one of the most intriguing. That was like your pick for Terrace Marshall Jr. yesterday. I think for me that that was the pick today um, was my pick here at Kyle Trask quarterback. I think that's a compelling pick if he falls that far. For one, he's he's too good. You know, and 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 I think that everyone's going to want him on his team, on their team, whether they're looking for a second string or not. Now, there's a lot of teams that that obviously want to pick up and make sure that they have their first string players in lock on the first. So second, you know, uh, round comes around and, uh, you know, having the last pick in the second round, I think is going to be pretty tough to see if Kyle Trask falls that far. But like you said, it could very well happen. I just can't see a Heisman finalist falling that far i don't think i don't know i don't remember the last time i've seen a heisman finalist fall that far but i mean man i mean look at all the hype that kyle pitts is getting i mean kyle pitts i I, you don't have kyle pitts without kyle trask right the guy the guy is a freak pitts is an absolute freak you freak you don't have kyle pitts if you don't have kyle trask throwing to him i think that's my point right um, but you know what? Here's an interesting thing. Again, I said I was a Florida Gator fan in all transparency, so I am a little biased on this pick. When Pitts was out and when he was injured, I mean, Kyle Trask wasn't all that great, right? He did heavily rely on him uh, in the game, so he did look a little off, right? He didn't have his go-to uh, shiny toy down there. I mean, he did have Tony uh, down the field and 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 some others and his running backs and everything, but honestly... You don't have Kyle Pitts without Kyle Trask, and that's really where where I'm sitting with that. You're listening to Bucks Nation podcast. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break, and when we return, we're going to go ahead and wrap up with a couple of final picks here. Uh, Just some good playful ones here. I think some interesting positions. Uh, One we've talked about, one we have not talked about, uh, meaning positions. We have not talked about the Bucks picking up yet until the second round. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to Bucks Nation. One, two, uh, one, 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 two, uh, one, one, uh, M-E-T-H-O-D, man, M-E-T-H-O-D, man, M-E-T-H-O-D, man, M-E-T-H-O-D, man. Hey, Bucks Nation, welcome back. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. You can find me on Twitter, at JC Bucks Nation, and I am joined by my first mate, Chris Schoenher. Hey, what's up, Bucks Nation? You can find me on Twitter, at CynicalBucksFan. Let's go ahead and continue on with our pick 64 draft prospects. Now we're going to be talking about a tight end out of Notre Dame. Yes, we are talking tight ends. Finally, Uh, we have three amazing tight ends on this team right now. Rob Gronkowski is only on the one year. Uh, OJ Howard, I believe, is on a contract year. He's on a fifth year option. So, yeah, it it is a contract year. And uh, we have Cameron Brait on for two years this year and next year. So he had the long term. Uh, so you've got to start looking at tight end as soon as possible because you, you've you kind of formulated your system to play with that 12 personnel type of system. So you got to consider your tight end options heading into the second, if not the third round. Tommy Tremble, six foot three, tall mofo, 241 pounds. Awesome for blocking. He only played two years. But in those two years, he has 35 receptions, 401 yards with four tutties. So obviously not huge stat line. He is known for his blocking capabilities. So you got to kind of consider, 
Cameron Brait is going to be your pass catching tight end for the next two years, right? So now you're looking for a nice blocking tight end to take on the role that Rob Gronkowski had to take on towards the end of the season. If you guys remember, a couple of games laid goose eggs on the reception column because he had to help out the team with the blocking down the field, right? So got to find a guy that could potentially be a very good blocker on that end, uh, on that end cap on the line. Lance Zierlein of NFL.com has him as a top sleeper in 2021. So this guy could could be serious business. Uh, he does have seriously good blocking skills. NFL.com does have him starting within his first two seasons. Yeah, so and I think that it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that that he can do. I mean, he's one of those tight ends out of Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame produces some pretty good tight ends and and the production from him. I'm not quite as concerned. He did have Ian Book throwing to him and. You know, some people are higher on Ian Book than I am. Um, but, you know, I watched a little bit of Notre Dame football this season and Ian Book, man, I, I wouldn't want Ian Book throwing to me. Let me just tell you that. Um, so that production isn't as concerning to me in, in that end. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that he's a good tight end and, and blocking is something that th- this Bucks team definitely needs that you like you were saying, they do love that that two tight end personnel. And, and with Gronk, you know, heading into the end of his career and, and being that blocking tight end for the Bucks this year, they're going to need somebody going forward to, to pick up that role. NFL.com says that he's only scratching the surface of his future impact. He does lack development as a route runner. And I think that just goes along with what you were just saying. There's really not much concern there. And, uh, you know, you got to run good routes, right? I mean, regardless of who's passing, who's passing to, you got to run good, uh, good routes. But uh, and his hands tend to, you know, they fail to inspire confidence as a pass catcher. Uh, that is per NFL.com. So I thought that was really interesting. A little <laughs> bit of negativity there. What a description. <laughs> oh, man. But end of the second round, I mean, you got to look tight end and you got to look at the top prospects of tight end coming into this draft. I mean, I, I don't see them going out and hunting for, uh, you know, a backup or a second guy or someone that's going to play in, in place of Rob Gronkowski should he not sign. Uh, for a third year. I mean, he's going to play it year by year, and that's exactly what he wanted to do to uh, make sure that his options stay open after each season. I mean, hey, Bucks win another Super Bowl. He's done. I think he's done. It's like, hey, we won two. I'm done. If they don't, I think, you know, knowing that Brady's coming back for another year, that could be like one of those, yeah, sure, all right, I'll take a little pay cut. I'll, I'll hang out for one more year, you know? So that might be the the you know, that, that deciding point, I think. Um, but I think Gronk is kind of one of those, uh, one of those guys, a little vain, a little egotistical, you know, likes to go out on top kind of thing, you know? Uh, so I, I I think Gronk's going to try and go out on top and he, he feels like he's got another year. I don't know if he's got two, three left in the tank. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. You're listening to special NFL draft coverage here on Bucks nation. We're talking about the Buccaneers second round draft pick. We just talked about Tommy Tremble, the first tight end for the Buccaneers to be picked at 64, a tight end out of Notre Dame. Fairly large guy, 6'3", 241 pounds, played two years for Notre Dame. Not very good throwing to him, but excellent on the, obviously on the pass protection, as well as uh, the, the blocking game downfield. And as I stated, just reiterating, Lance Airline of NFL.com does have him as a top sleeper. You've got an interesting pick here, Chris. So we're going to yeah. we're going to jump right into this guy, Stanford 
We got we got our Stanford guy. And this is a guy um, going with Paulson Adebo. He is a cornerback. This is the second corner we're talking about after you brought up Asante, Asante Samuel Jr. yesterday. And I think Paulson Adebo is a is a press corner that that Jason that Jason Light that Todd Bowles loves in his system. Like we were talking about yesterday, he's got those taller guys, and Adebo is sitting at six foot one. He's about 190, 195 pounds, so he's not quite as you know heavy as these other guys, but. And he, he did opt out of 2020, but before that, yeah, I saw in, that. Yeah. In, in 2018 and 2019, he had four interceptions in both of these years, but listen to this in 2018, he had 17 passes defensed. And in 2019, in less games than 2018, he had 10 passes defense. So this guy's coming in. He has ball skills and he's not the speediest guy. He might get burnt on the back end every once in a while, sort of like that Carlton Davis thing that we saw with the Tyree kill stuff um, in that first Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, but Adebo is, is somebody that can close on routes with speed. And I mean, this guy can really just break on a ball. He has fantastic eyes looking back at the at the ball coming from the quarterback. So he doesn't pick up a lot of those pass interference or holding penalties. I think he does struggle a little bit on the inside. So I, I'd put him as an outside corner only. Um, but with Carlton Davis entering into, you know, the final year of his contract, uh, Debo would not be a bad player to pick up and, and build some depth next year and, and potentially even take over for somebody coming, you know, going into 2022. And, and the cornerback position is something that you want to flood. You want to have as many guys back there as possible so that you can plug and play the best players every week. And, and Adebo can definitely be that guy going into the next few years. You know, what was interesting is that we really didn't talk about too many safeties. So we've really been kind of thinking that the safety is on lock right now. And the corners have been the area to contend with. I have not been overly impressed with our corner play, uh, you know, throughout the season last year, it's been very up and down, but when it mattered, when it mattered, Sean Murphy bunting with those three in a row interceptions was just phenomenal in the playoffs. I think, Carlton Davis showing up when he needed to be, uh, you know, unfortunately I did not agree with Rick Shroud when he said that Carlton Davis was a shutdown corner. I do not think he is a shutdown corner. Um, oh, I disagree with you there. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. All I right. think that, you know, Todd Bowles really deployed a lot of those spot drop cover three, cover four zones. And that is not what any of these guys are good at. It's it's sort of like going back to even uh, prior to Todd Bowles, you know, drafting all those press corners with Vernon Hargraves and then and then tossing them into a zone where they're not their best. But when we saw them go into that more the the pattern match, which is the um, zone coverage with some man principles, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting use their physicality to their advantage, and that's why I think that playoff run they showed out so well. So Todd Bowles basically set them up for failure so that they could not shine to their fullest potential. That that is a yeah. that is a that is a lean towards that direction. Although they put them, Todd Bowles put them in that position, obviously because that's what he needed in order to make sure that he's winning. So uh, didn't play to the strengths, played to the system. I think that's my problem with a system. Is it you know I, as a manager, right in my professional life. I play to the strengths of all my people and I've got to make sure that I'm putting people in those positions to make them successful, both professionally, personally, uh, and other. I think that's, that's an area where I, if I've got to break them out of my process and out of my, my, my system 
to be able to do that and make the team and grow and, and make money for the company that I work for and everything else, it only bodes well for me because our bonuses get bigger at the end of the year. So that's <laughs> that's kind of one of those things where I, I feel like maybe Todd Bowles just maybe needs to kind of just let, I, I think Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians had to do that too on the offense and they finally did. And I think they let Tom Brady hold the keys to the car and, and hold the steering wheel for a little bit and say, hey, you call the game. And and Arians even said towards the end of the season, he said, hey, listen, you know, we let, we let Brady do what he's got to do. We sent him out a package and he picks the play. He figures out what he's got to do. We know the package. He picks the play. And that's kind of typically how you do that with a veteran quarterback anyway. But when you're dealing with the defense and especially these young guys, you can't just throw something out there. You got to play to their strengths. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that was my issue. Could Paulson Adebo come in and play in a system and not be able to play to his strengths? Yes, I think we definitely need, uh, you know, we need a, a shutdown corner again. I mean, we really, I mean, we need a Rondé Barber. We need another Rondé Barber. Wish I those mean, guys were just running around like that. <laughs> listen, man. I mean, we get another Rondé Barber. I mean, what that's, that's money right there, you know? So I like this pick. I do. Um, you know, and, and I think we're focusing a lot on the corners. A lot of people are really high on the corners. We're not paying attention to the safeties or even the linebackers. Even I don't think we've mentioned the linebacker yet. I mean, we, we got we got two of the best linebackers in Tampa. We Bay do, right baby. <laughs> we do, we do. But again, Levante David only on a what is it, two year or three year? Two year. It's a two year. If we're looking down the road for two years, three years down the road, we got to have guys behind them, you know, pick it up. Uh, you know, so we we shall see how the defense folds out. I, I know the defense wins championships. It seems like there's a lot of attention on the defense. I think the offense needs to have a lot of attention specifically on the offensive line and the running back position. I think we're good on the wide receiver, even for the long game. I think in the quarterback position, I like Bruce Arians. He did say, hey, look, we need young. We need agile. We need fast. You know, there is no doubt that, so, that we are going to be looking at somebody. And going back to that Kyle Trask, the assistant, the, the, the Buccaneers assistant coach, Clyde Christensen, was chatting it up with Kyle on his pro day. So there was definitely some conversations going on there. And the Bucs are at least exploring him. And that is per Tampa Bay Times uh, report on Kyle Trask potentially being a good pick for uh, the Buccaneers at 64 or 32 uh, depends on which one he would go with. I think he's definitely going to be one of those two. He, he's not going to slip any further. He's not going to slip any further. I can guarantee that. So you have bias showing there, Jason. I know, man. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. None of your UCL guys, UCLA guys made it in there. So oh, no, they were, they've been, they've been real bad these uh, past few years. <laughs> All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for our special coverage on Bucks Nation podcast, our 2021 NFL draft coverage round two, pick 64. So you can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation and you can find the show at Bucks Nation pod. And you can find me, Chris Shunner, at Cynical Bucks fan on Twitter. And do not forget to check out all of our written articles at BucksNation.com, where all of our writers are bringing you the best in Buccaneers headlines and storylines. Stay tuned as we continue to bring you views from all different directions from Bucks coverage, news across the NFL, fantasy football, and from you, Bucks Nation. Submit a question or make a shout out in our new mailbag by shooting us an email at BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Twitter at BucksNationPod. Leave us your name and a message and we'll get it up on the air in an upcoming show. 
Leave us a review on Apple, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons! See no baby, the devil on my doorstep being so shady. Don't trip, we don't gotta let him in. Don't trip.